How is everyone? <laughs> Somebody's feeling good. <laughs> okay, we're in Hebrews tonight. 11, 17 through 22. So let's read that. Hebrews 11, 17 through 22. This is the third part of Abraham, faith in the promises of God. So in verse 17, Hebrews 11, are you there? Okay, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Let's pray. Lord, please take your word now and break it fresh and anoint, I pray, our hearts, our minds, that you might be able to, Lord, divide between the thoughts and intents of our hearts and bless the word and, and Lord, minister tonight renewal and strength, correction, instruction, whatever it might be that we need. And Lord, you know exactly what we need. And thus, you've given to us your word, and we're thankful for it. So please bless it now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, these last three studies, this being the third, the Abraham's faith, and then we're also getting into his Isaac, Jacob, Esau, and all those. So it takes us, and we'll look tonight a little bit in it, Genesis chapter 12 through 50 is what he's covering here in this passage. So God is the God of promise. He keeps his word. Amen? Corey Ten Boom said, let God's promises shine on your problems. Isn't that great? Let God's promises shine on your problems. The word promise is a legal term. I think this is important just to consider. It, it denotes a summons or an undertaking to do or give something. And really, it speaks about the thing promised, a gift that's graciously bestowed. So it is not a pledge that's been secured by some negotiation. It's not something we've worked out with God. Rather, it's something God gives us. It's a promise. It's a thing that he has given to us, an undertaking for us. He summoned it in that way. Some people don't understand the promises they're making when they make them. How many of us can say that? However, you keep them anyway. And we looked at this in our, a couple weeks ago. Let our yes be yes and our no, no. That's what love is. Love is the keeping of the promise anyway. That's what it means. The scriptures contain many stories of people who waited years, even decades, before the Lord's promise came to pass. What modern believers can learn from the patience of biblical saints like Abraham and Joseph and David, Paul, is that waiting upon the Lord has eternal rewards. 
And so when they, they patiently endured, then they obtained the promise. And so much of what God is doing is working in us the faith of Abraham, if you will. And faith in the promises of God, which is what we're looking at. So there are five things that we, that three things broken four and five ways. Abraham went out. That's in verse 8. He didn't know where he was going, so it's the direction of his faith. And we looked at that. Faith is always going to direct us in obedience to God. Secondly, Abraham waited with Isaac and Jacob. That was the destination of their faith. And so as, we, as I shared two weeks ago, I'm going to do it again tonight. Two words that come into mind for me, urge and undergird us. So the promises of God urge us into the unknown. They undergird us in facing the unknown. Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Secondly, faith in the promises of God urge us into the eternal realm. And they undergird us for the temporal realm. Third, he waited for a child from him who is faithful. The promises of God urge us all the time into the grace of God. They undergird us by the grace of God. Then he waited for a country in which he fit in. And Greg shared on this last week. So what I had in my notes was that the promises of God urge us as we move around in these tents. Amen? But they also undergird us until we move out of these tents. We're looking for a, for a country, uh, not the one we're living in. Now, this passage tonight, these verses... Abraham was tested with Isaac. I call this the resurrection of his faith. Now, in this, faith in the promises of God urge us on because Jesus rose from the dead. Easter's coming up. We're going to talk about that. Faith in the promises of God undergird us in that we will rise from the dead. Can I hear an amen? We have been given a promise by God that is founded in Jesus Christ rising from the dead. And if Jesus is not risen, then we are of all men most to be pitied. If he hasn't risen from the dead, there is no resurrection. So it undergirds us in that we will rise from the dead. And thus in this, in this story that we have before us with Abraham and his resurrection of faith, it says by faith, verse 17, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Notice verse 19, concluding, Abraham concluded something. He came to a conclusion when God tested him that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. In other words, Isaac was born as though from a womb that was dead and an old man that wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do that except by the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So Isaac was received through the promise of God that through Isaac your seed shall be called, not Ishmael. Now turn to Genesis 22 because this is a fabulous portion of, of Scripture. And let's read the account in Genesis 22. And we're going to be in Genesis a little bit tonight. The resurrection of his faith. It came to pass, Genesis 22, 
after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Now notice, your only son. Now he had other sons. He had Ishmael at least. But God didn't recognize Ishmael. He's saying, take now your son Isaac, your only son, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. By the way, if you read this and begin highlighting your son, your only son, or another break in this passage is, here I am, three times. Here I am, here I am. Take your son, your only son, three times. Son is mentioned several times, and father twice. So there's a picture here that we'll see is profound in this passage. And so he rose early, took Isaac, his son. He split the wood, verse 3, for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. So for three days in the mind of Abraham, his son is dead. Keep that in mind. Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey, the lad. And by the way, he was probably 30 years old. That, this is, he's not a little baby in a knapsack. Take, he said, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And notice, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, I don't know how yours is translated this next verse, but let me read New King James. And Abraham said, my son... God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them, notice, went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, again, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering, notice, instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Verse 15, then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is in, on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Abraham concluded the necessity of the resurrection 
as God told him to offer up his son, his only son. He was convinced of the reality of a resurrection through this testing that God brought him through. Now, back to verse 8. I would uh, encourage you to think through this for a moment. And even in King James, really, I like the King James translation because I believe in my study that is accurate. In the New King James, it says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. I would scratch out four. I think that is a better translation of what's being prophesied here. And I'll get a little more here. It says, Abraham said, my son, God will provide not for himself. God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now, notice what it says also in verse 14. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. This place where Abraham offered up Isaac is the exact place where Jesus, the Son of God, was crucified. Now, you talk about something profound. This is profound. The prophetic word through testing Abraham was Abraham believed God. He counted that God was able to raise him up, if necessary, from the dead. Romans talks about that. It is so profound that way back in the beginning with the father of the faith, God was saying to him, the resurrection is real. It's coming. Now, the point made here is Isaac was not sufficient for the resurrection of you and I. There had to be a substitute sacrifice. So he offered up the ram instead of his son. So the picture again gets more profound in that God provided the substitute sacrifice for you and for me in order that we might know that we have resurrection life coming. So faith in the promises of God in the resurrection, our faith is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And if Christ is not risen, then we are most to be pitied. If Christ is not risen, there is no resurrection. Jesus, when he arrived in Bethany, and Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus was dead. Many of you know this story. John chapter 11. Jesus said to her, that is Martha, who's distraught because Lazarus was dead. Jesus hadn't come. He came later, three days later, knowing that he was sick. He comes, and Martha's a little bothered by that. So she's saying, I hear, Lord, if you'd only come, you know, it wouldn't have happened. Now, it's interesting as you read the story, Mary said the exact same thing, but I think the heart was different. So Martha says, hey, if you had been here, you wouldn't have died. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to Jesus, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Good question. What Jesus is saying to, to Martha is what he would declare in his crucifixion substitute sacrifice is this. Without Jesus, there would be no resurrection at the last day. In other words, what Martha didn't understand is the necessity of Jesus himself rising from the dead in order that there would be there would even be a resurrection of anyone from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. 
And so we read in 1 Corinthians, turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This may be where we're going on Easter morning, I'm not sure yet. But it certainly is an Easter passage. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. Your faith is also empty. Verse 17. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Lazarus would have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all the men most pitiable. Verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead, and here it is, and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man, capital M, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming, and then comes the end. Now I know that you all know these things. If you've heard any Easter message. But the profundity of the whole thing. The depth of the whole thing that we're reminded again tonight. Is that if Jesus is not risen from the dead. We will not rise from the dead. It will be over. But he has risen from the dead. So essential to our faith and the promises of God. Is the resurrection of the son of God from the dead. Essential to our faith and the promises of God is the substitute sacrifice offered at Calvary for you and for me in order that we might have that hope of resurrection. This story prophesied through Abraham's testing is God himself communicating something so incredibly clear. God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. He, will, he offered up the burnt offering instead, Abraham, of his son. You see, because Isaac wasn't sufficient. The, now, it says in verse 14, Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. Listen to this. The meaning is that God, in the greatest difficulties, which all human assistance is vain, will make a suitable provision for the deliverance of those who trust in him. The Lord will provide. In other words, if he doesn't, we don't have any hope. In the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. So it urges us on because Jesus rose from the dead. Secondly, we're going to rise from the dead. Yeah, are you looking forward to that? It's almost like you can't really imagine what that's going to be like. All we know are these earthbound tent existence. But one day, this mortal will put on immortality. Uh, it's just a mind. Now, why, why would that happen? There's only one reason. Because God provided for it for us. Where it was impossible, it's empty, futile uh, Efforts to try and somehow do that ourselves. We can't do it. But God did it. In the mouth of the Lord, it shall be seen. And indeed, it was seen. Now, here's, go to verse uh, 20 now in Hebrews. Keep your 
thumb in Genesis. We're going to go back there. In Hebrews 11, verse 20, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones, which I, I never really thought about death like that, but let me tell you what to do with my bones. <laughs> now, listen, these blessing, blessings were given as these men were dying. It was at the end of their lives. Their faith in the promises of God, listen, did not delay their death. But neither did the promises of a God diminish in their death. In fact, what he's saying is they continued. In other words, these men saw beyond the grave. The passing on of these patriarchs was the passing on of the blessings of God. In every case, here's a fascinating thing again. In every case, the blessings of Abraham continued. They were passed on to the second born, the second birth. And this is cons the consistent pattern of the blessings of Abraham. Our faith is passed on to us through the second birth. Through being born again. Not the first birth. The second birth. It was not Ishmael who was the firstborn. He was the son of the flesh. But Isaac, the secondborn, was the son of promise. The son of the spirit. Tells us that in Galatians. Jesus said, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be what? Born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He said, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Well, the question Nicodemus said, well, what do we do? Crawl, crawl back in our mother's womb? He said, I'm talking about a spiritual experience that something happens and you become alive spiritually. You can't see it. It's like the wind. But you can see the effects of it. There is life now. That can't be seen because it's spiritual. It's like the wind. You can see the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind. That's the second birth. If you're here tonight and have had the experience of the second birth, don't you wish you could just show somebody and give it to them? It's like something happened that is so real so transforming, so powerful. We'll talk about this on Sunday. And yet, others can't see it. And many times, they don't even want it. It's profound. It was not Ishmael, but Isaac. It was not Esau, the firstborn, but it was Jacob. Now, that's an interesting story also. How did Jacob get the blessing? And it wasn't just him. It was his mom. And they connived this whole thing to steal it from Ishmael. 
And yet God in his providence, in his sovereign plans, was working out his blessing through Jacob. (laughs) You got to love the Lord. It was not Manasseh, the firstborn of Joseph. It was Ephraim, the secondborn. And thus the blessings in our lives are through the second birth given to us through faith in the substitute sacrifice that God gave in offering Jesus Christ for our sins. And that birth, that spiritual born-again experience is eternal. When we came to faith in Christ and we believed on him and confessed our sins and repented and turned to Christ and the Holy Spirit and we're born again by the Spirit of God through the Word of God, When that happened, it was a transaction that has impact through all eternity of life, not death. Not eternal death, eternal life. It's interesting with with Manasseh and Ephraim. Because Jacob wants to give the blessing. He's blind, he's old and blind. And so as he goes to place his hand, right hand and left hand, the right hand will be the, bless, the, the, the higher blessing. As Jacob is going to do that, and Joseph sees that he's got his hands, he, as he goes to do it, Joseph brings Manasseh and Ephraim to Jacob, and he puts his older son Manasseh at the right hand of Jacob, and he puts Ephraim at his left hand. So his firstborn is going to get the right hand blessing. What does Jacob do? And Joseph goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not right. But he, but he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. My name be upon them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And that's when, oh, hold on a second. Joseph's going, wait, 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 wait. Said, no, you can't. He tried to move his hands back. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also, that is Manasseh, shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become what? A multitude of nations. The Abrahamic blessing. So he blessed them that day, saying, By Israel, by you, Israel, will bless, saying, may God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. Second birth. That's where God's blessings are found. Now, it says in verse 21, back in Hebrews, and maybe you're there. I, I didn't tell you where to go to Genesis. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Do you know how he was leaning on the top of his staff? He was old. And what happened in Jacob's life? He wrestled with the angel. Remember that? And he wrestled with the angel. When he was all done wrestling with the angel, he put his hip out of socket. And thus, from that day forward, he was limping. What happened in that whole story with Jacob and the angel? God changed his name and says, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but you shall be called Israel, which means governed by God. You know, it's a blessing when God breaks us in our flesh, cripples us in our flesh. 
so that the spiritual life and the strength of the Holy Spirit is what now governs our lives, not the strength of the flesh. And, this, and with Jacob, he was a pretty determined guy until God broke him. And some say, well, he, and the Bible says he wrestled with God and won. You know why he won with God? Because God broke him. It was with weeping and tears, Hosea tells us, that he received God's blessing. And thus it is. If God can break us, we win. If God can break us of our fleshly lives, we win. It's a great place to be. The crippling of the flesh brings the crowning of the spirit. The weakness of the flesh brings the strength of the spirit. And Paul recognized that. God said that my grace is sufficient because in your, in your weakness, my strength is perfected. May God help us. Amen. Now, it says in verse 22, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Now, we don't read of blessing. We read of him making mention and giving instruction. By faith, listen, Joseph knew that God was going to visit his people. God told him that. They would go down to Egypt, just like Jacob had told him. And just like Jacob's father, Isaac, had told him, and just like Isaac's father, Abraham, had told him, God's blessings were coming. Here's what God was going to do. Pass down, pass down, pass down. Joseph knew that God's people would be delivered from Egypt, and his bones would be a testimony of God's promises fulfilled. Ultimately, God fulfilling his promise through Abraham that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How? Through the substitute sacrifice of Jesus for us. Through the promise of resurrection, through the second birth. The blessing of God through the second birth. So faith in the promises of God urge us to leave a blessing to our heritage, to our descendants. Now that's a, that's a searching question. Our faith should be continuing on, handed down. And I pray for each of us in this room that that's what God's doing. That we have that faith that is being passed on and passed on and passed on, knowing that ultimately the only thing that matters is if someone has experienced the second birth in Christ. That's when one day we'll all be gathered <laughs> Maybe at the rapture, we're all going to meet the Lord in the air, that entourage meeting Christ. But one day, as with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Ephraim, and all, one day we're going to be with them. That's what's going to be coming. And that's our faith in the promises of God. So what I want to do is ask the Lord to help me Live out my faith in such a way that it's a blessing to those and then it lives on in those and then to those after them and to those after them. In 3 John, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Is it not disturbing to you, moms, dads, grandpas, grandmas, when you see your children and you're not sure if they're going to make it? It really is probably the most disturbing thing. But not just our children, our loved ones. 
Because if what we believe is true, then there is a necessity of someone being born again by the Spirit of God. There is the necessity of acknowledging the need for a substitute sacrifice. There is a necessity of facing the fact that without Christ, there is no resurrection. And so how do we pass that on? By the grace of God, amen, that we ourselves have given, like Abraham, to obey God through testings and trials, to believe God and the hope that we have, and to live our lives full tilt in the new birth that, yes, people may not be able to see the spiritual side of things visibly, but they can see the effects of being born again by the Spirit of God. And so if I were leaving anything for you tonight, I urge you as I urge myself, hey, you know what? Lord, help me to be more intentional about passing on the blessing right up to when I'm leaning on my staff at the end of my life. And the most important thing that's through my mind is to, again, speak the blessing of God that can be anyone's through faith and, the, and believing the promises of God. Amen? Let me pray and then we'll, we'll do a little interaction. Father, thank you again for your promises in your word. And Lord, whenever I think of this Genesis 22 passage and how profound that, that whole picture is. And then you talk about it in the New Testament on more than one occasion. That Abraham didn't consider you know, the weakness of his flesh or the oldness of Sarah's womb, but he believed, Lord, that you were able to do what he couldn't. And, Lord, we believe you can do what, you, what we can't. And so, Lord, we love your word and we pray again, God, that you would help us to live out our faith as Abraham did in obedience to you, concluding, <laughs> concluding, Lord, that you can do the impossible. And ultimately, you will raise us up. Ultimately, we will be with you. And, Lord, we want to take as many as we possibly can with us. So I pray, Lord, you, you would fill us and bless us. Grant us, Lord, a humility before you, humility before people. And, Lord, please, bless us, we pray. Bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there it is. Any questions, comments? Greg, you want to come up and you can... Get the microphone and help me out here. And by the way, those green cards, if you're filling those out, we'll collect those in a moment and pray.